Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's Word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Well, welcome to another session of Teaching Through the Bible. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sullivan. Well, today we're studying the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm reading in the New International Version for clarity. We want to make this crystal clear for you. So let's get right into our study. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to mature Christians. I had to talk as though you belong to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't handle anything stronger. And you still aren't ready for you're still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your own desires? You're acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I prefer Apollos, aren't you acting like those who are not Christians? Well, the Corinthians were acting like spiritual babies here. They were quarreling and dividing over petty things. They were choosing up sides and leaders to follow and and being very divisive. So Paul um, hoped to shame these childish Christians into changing their conduct. He presented himself and other mature leaders as partners in ministry and provided a model for the Christian saints to follow in their own lives and conduct. Paul was disappointed with uh, the members of, of the Church of Corinth because they were ignoring some basic and fundamental things about the kingdom of God and how citizens of, of God's kingdom should relate to each other. Paul had to talk to them like little babies because of their obvious, obvious childishness. These Corinthians had, had ample time to, to grow and to mature, um, but, but they weren't growing and they weren't maturing like they should. They were stunted in their growth. He wanted to talk to them about issues that mature Christians could relate to, but he had to stop and and reteach the basics all over again. He had to talk to them about their selfish, divisive behavior. So Paul scolded the Corinthians for their, uh, their childish behavior, and he made it clear that to act like the people of this world uh, is, is childishness. The Corinthians had to understand what was expected of them as children of God. They needed a sense of the, the common purpose that is shared by all of God's people all over the world. They needed to gain their awareness that those who are children of God, uh, the kingdom of God, uh, we work in concert. We should work in concert with each other. We should be of unified mind. So the Corinthians needed to understand that Although the Church of Christ may exist uh, in many physical locations, it's one body and, and one family. Now, they were there in, in one location, and they were dividing even then. 
Somehow Paul had to make them aware that the church of Christ is not divided in any way. And their conduct demonstrated that they were not in tune with the values of Christ. And so Paul pointed to their sinful behavior as evidence that they were acting like the world and to act like the world is to display immaturity. Now, by, by comparing uh, uh, them to unbelievers, Paul said, you're acting like unbelievers, like people who don't even know Christ. Paul hoped to, uh, to shame them into better behavior and better conduct. Now I'm reading verses five through seven. Is Apollos, uh, who is Apollos and, and who is Paul that we should be the cause of such quarrels? Why, we're only servants. Through, through us, God calls you to believe. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God, not we, who made it grow. Uh, the ones who do the planting or watering aren't important, but God is important because he is the one who makes the seed grow, all right? So Paul had to present a, a more humble perception of, of himself and of Apollos. He said, we're nothing. I mean, we, uh, God used us to plant the seed. He used me to plant the seed. He used Apollos to water the seed, but God is the one who makes things grow. So uh, Paul wanted them to understand that don't hold us up on a, a pedestal because we are simply instruments that God used. The glory goes to God. And, and you are all, the whole Corinthian church, you are all followers of God. So that unites us and it doesn't divide us. That's, that's what Paul wanted to get over to them. Uh, now, Apollos was first mentioned in the book of Acts. He first appeared preaching in Ephesus. Luke described him as an eloquent man who was mighty in the scriptures. That's in Acts 18 and 24. Now, Paul explained his and Apollos' roles as servants of God in the work of the kingdom of God. And he used the analogy of a, of a farmer to illustrate uh, uh, this fact, this point. In the case of the Corinthians, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered the seed, God made the seed grow, okay? And that's, that's, that's how it unfolded with the Corinthians because Paul was first there to preach. Then Apollos came to preach and to teach after that. And then God made them grow. God brought them to faith in himself. By using this illustration, Paul was luring himself and Apollos and, and magnifying God. He didn't want them elevating him. Uh, he wanted them to be uh, loyal to God and to have their faith and their allegiance in God and God alone. Christian leaders have to be careful to give God the glory for, for all that he does in our lives. There, there has to be a balance uh, when we're giving and receiving honor to those who do the work of God. We have to be careful not to overstate the matter, uh, not to overemphasize our own accomplishments or the accomplishments of others. Certainly we should honor each other. We should respect each other. Uh, but God ultimately gets the glory. Ultimately, all praise should be diverted to God because every worthy human accomplishment finds its source in God. Paul asked the question, what makes you better than anyone else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? 
And if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? That's 1 Corinthians um, 4 and 7 in the New Living Translation. So in using these words, Paul makes it plain that it is God from first to last, that nothing that we have accomplished has been accomplished without God working in us. Nothing good, every good and perfect gift comes from above comes from God, the Father of light. Now, I'm reading verses 8 through 9. The one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose. Yet, they will be rewarded individually according to their own work, according to their own hard work. We work together as partners who belong to God. You are God's field, God's building, not ours, Okay. So people are sometimes tempted to glorify their leaders and put them in the place of God. And that's, we have to be careful about uh, how we look at our leaders because we don't want to diminish their importance, but we don't want to overstate their importance or overemphasize their importance. We don't want to put anyone in the place of God. A good leader will discourage this kind of an attitude in people. Leaders should be honored. They should be respected, but never exalted above measure. The Corinthian saints were dividing and, and labeling themselves as followers of Paul and Apollos uh, and, and Peter, and uh, possibly arguing over which was the greatest between them. And this was, again, very childish behavior, and Paul let them know it. He, he put things into proper perspective, pointing out that he and Apollos were not divided. Um, the leaders of the church were not divided. They had a common goal. Sometimes Christians become, can become so impressed by the gifts and the accomplishments of certain leaders. Uh, sometimes they can be so appreciative of the word that you preach that changed their lives, that freedom from drugs or, or alcohol or or uh, illicit behavior, or whatever their vice was, or whatever they were bound by that was destroying their lives. They came to freedom and deliverance through the word that we preached. Uh, sometimes they will, um, they will begin to engage in hero worship. And we have to be careful to, uh, to divert that hero worship to God and remind people that God is the source of all the blessings that we receive. Uh, when we become individualistic in our thinking, we become competitive in our conduct. And that's how the, the Corinthians uh, were behaving. The attitude of the people of God should be an attitude that seeks for peace and unity and common ground. But the Corinthians were dividing. They were finding places to divide over rather than places to unite over. Now that's a ploy of Satan. Uh, he can get a bunch of people in, in, in the room of uh, of the same race or the same sex or even the same family, the same blood. And, and uh, when he's done, he'll have them dividing over issues, non-essential issues. So we have to be watchful and careful of that. Of course, there are things that Christians will disagree over. But even in our disagreements, we should maintain an attitude of unity and civility and goodwill. We should disagree agreeably. And, and while there are a few things that some Christians may never agree completely on, 
We should not allow those things to become a point of division in the church, in the body of Christ. Okay, so uh, the most important thing is that we uh, that we have in unison. The most important thing that we have in common is Christ, if we are believers. And so we should remember that. Uh, we should coalesce around that, work around that, unify around that, and let everything else fall into secondary uh, place on down the line. Paul made it clear that he and Apollos were not divided. Now, they had a common purpose and a common goal. And the, the common purpose for Paul and Apollos uh, was shared, and that was to advance the kingdom of God and to build up the people of God and to help them grow. And so Paul said that um, Paul and Apollos are nothing. It is God that makes things grow. We are just instruments in the hands of God. So um, our, as, as Christians, we should be like a, a well-disciplined ball team, regardless of who scores, the agenda of the whole team is to win. And when, Anyone on the team scores, the whole team celebrates because they share in the victory. Now I'm reading verses 10 through 11. Because of God's special favor to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, and that's Jesus Christ. So Paul is warning. He says, "We I laid the foundation, um, and others are building on it. Okay, So he, he is saying, be careful how you build. Don't go and try to build another foundation. That foundation is Christ. So you have to build on Christ. God gave Paul the privilege of helping to lay the foundation of Christ by calling him to preach and to teach the gospel message to the Jews and the Gentiles. His message was about Christ, not by, not about some other savior, uh, some other person. If, if, if we are preaching the gospel of someone else, then we are preaching a false gospel and we are building a, a another foundation. If we preach about another Christ beside Jesus the Christ, who came and gave his life on the cross. Uh, we are building another foundation, and we're doing something different than what God has ordained. Paul, along with the other apostles and prophets, received special revelation from Jesus Christ concerning how they should go about laying the foundation of the church. Um, the foundation of the church, of course, is Christ. What they taught was directly from Christ, and all their teachings harmonized with the teachings of Christ. Um, and if we are going to be building on the foundation of Christ, our teachings have to harmonize with his teaching and the teachings of the apostles. Paul made it clear that Jesus Christ is the only foundation upon which to build uh, the good news about the atoning work of, of Jesus Christ is the message that saves humanity. The Apostle Paul put it this way. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. That's Acts 4 and 12 in the New Living Translation. Now, Jesus 
is indeed the very foundation upon which, upon which the church rests. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews tells us that in Hebrews 12 and 2. Now, um, here are the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. The fundamental doctrines that, that Christianity teaches that makes us Christians. Uh, first of all, the virgin birth of Christ. Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. Secondly, the deity of Christ. Christ is God, God the Son, the Son of God, okay? So Christ is deity. Deity means that he is God. Uh, the death of Christ as the atoning sacrifice for sin. That's a basic fundamental Christian doctrine, that Jesus Christ died as an atonement for our sins. He was the ransom that paid for our sins that brings us forgiveness and freedom from sin. And then the resurrection of Christ from the dead. That's an essential Christian doctrine, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And then forgiveness of sins and sanctification through faith in Christ alone. That's an essential Christian doctrine. And then salvation by faith in Christ alone. Okay, so there is salvation and no other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And then another um, Christian, basic Christian, fundamental Christian doctrine is the return of Christ to reward believers and judge the wicked. That's a fundamental Christian doctrine. And then the doctrine of eternal life through faith in Christ alone. We have eternal life in Christ. These are basic Christian doctrines. These are the essentials, doctrines of the Christian faith. These are the things that make Christians Christian. Paul declared Christ as the exclusive foundation upon which to build the work of the church because he knew that many false prophets would come in and seek to establish other foundations and other ways that seem right, but ultimately lead people to death, right? Anyone who preaches or teaches another Christ or a way to God other than Jesus must be rejected as a false prophet. In his passionate teachings, Paul was merely echoing the claims of Jesus himself, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's John 14 and 6 in the King James Version. Now I'm reading verses 12 through 15. Now anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But there's going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved. But like someone escaping through a wall of flames. That's 1 Corinthians 3 and 12 through 15. Now, after making it clear that Jesus Christ is the only foundation to build upon, if we expect to be saved and gain acceptance by God, Paul adds that we must be careful how we build upon this foundation 
and what kind of material that we use and what our motivation is. In these four verses, we're, we're informed that in addition to full citizenship rights in the kingdom of heaven, Christians will receive special rewards for the work that we do while we're here on this earth in this life. Jesus said this, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. That's Revelation 22 and 12 in the King James Version. So God will reward his people for the worst that we do for the kingdom of God. Every Christian will receive eternal life, but we will also be given other rewards above eternal life. We will be given the responsibility of ruling on the new earth under Christ. There will be different levels of rulership based on the work that we do. There will be kings. There will be governors. There will be mayors. Um, there will be uh, city officials and state officials. We will have different places of leadership and rulership in the new kingdom when Jesus Christ comes to rule. There will be kings under him, but he will be the king of kings, the king over all kings. Um, there will be governors, those who govern different um, um, provinces, and there will be those who govern cities, and there will be those who uh, oversee different aspects of running the city. So uh, we're not just going to be sitting around doing, doing nothing. We're going to be uh, ruling and reigning with Christ. Now, Paul warned that we must be careful what material we use to build because how we spend eternity is going to be based upon uh, what we do here now, uh, our position, our status of leadership or rulership is going to be based on our faithfulness in this life and in this world. Uh, Paul spoke of different materials, building using different materials to build on the foundation. He, he used uh, gold and silver and jewels, wood and hay and straw. Uh, these materials are all symbolic of the quality of the work that we do for the kingdom of God and our motives and our attitude behind the work that we do. There are some Christians who may, out of laziness or disinterest or neglect, do very little to advance the kingdom of God. Then there may be some Christians who may do a great deal of work and accomplish a great deal, but the work is motivated by the desire to promote themselves and to receive praise and honor from other people. These are the ones who use materials that burn, wood, and hay, and straw. But the ones who build with gold and silver and jewels are Christians who do their very best work with pure motives, love for God, and the desire to advance his kingdom in the earth. Now, they will receive a reward. Now, um, Paul said, those who do shoddy work, those who do no work, uh, or those who do work that uh, is wood, hay, and straw, um, their work will be burned because the day is going to come that everybody's work will be judged. It will be tried in the fire. And, and if the motives appear and the work is quality work, um, the attitude is right, then we will be rewarded 
for that, above eternal life. Remember, every true Christian is going to be saved. But Paul said those who do the shoddy work and work with the wood, hay, and straw, their works will be burned, but they themselves will be saved. But it'll be like a person escaping out of the fire, okay? Uh, someone may, may think, well, that's enough for me if I, if I can just be saved. It is indeed. It's a wonderful thing uh, to gain the kingdom of heaven and eternal life um, and to uh, just to live forever in the kingdom of God. It's going to be wonderful uh, even if, you, if your rewards are, are burned. The life there is going to be wonderful. But we have the opportunity right now on earth to advance the kingdom of God and at the same time secure a place of, of honor and, uh, for all eternity, a place of leadership, of, um, a place of rulership under Christ. So the work that we do now, again, determines our position and our status in the kingdom forever. Okay, so we may want to think about that. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be rich in good works and I want my attitude to be right. I want my motivation to be right. I want to advance, advance the kingdom of God. I want God to help me with my thinking, my attitude, my motivation. Uh, and I, I want to make it into heaven, but I also want to rule and reign with Christ. I want to be rewarded uh, when I get there. Now, verses 16 through 17. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will bring ruin upon anyone who ruins his, this temple. For God's temple is holy, and you Christians are that temple. So Paul continued his analogy of God's building. The church is a collective body of believers. Paul was making uh, them aware that all of the members of the Corinthian church collectively made of God's temple in the city of Corinth. The temple of God is built of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ. This temple of believers rests upon Jesus as the foundation. Individually, we are referred to as stones in the building or, or temple of God. The apostle Peter wrote these words, and now God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. That's 1 Peter 2 and 5 in the New Living Translation. This is not to suggest now that the individual members of God's church are not inhabited by the Holy Spirit. We are. But God's plan is for a unified body or a temple made up of all the believers, all the individual members of the body of Christ. Now, while God loves us individually, his design for us is to be one body of believers who are inseparable and indivisible. Uh, we're unable to be divided. That's what God wants. Uh, Jesus prayed the prayer, Father, make them one, even as we are one. Now, when Paul warns against defiling or destroying God's temple, he's speaking of assault against God's church on one of the uh, one of the greatest threats to the church of God is apostasy that is uh, a turning away from the true Christ 
because of in the influence of, of false teachers or false prophets. Paul is concerned about the destructive effects of the false wisdom of false prophets who teach a false gospel that drives people away from the faith in Christ uh, and to faith in another Jesus. The design of this heretical teaching by these false prophets and their, their heretical preaching is to challenge the foundation of the church and to scatter the people of God, to, to question whether or not Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, uh, and to divert people over to some false way. Now, another great danger to the church is division. Paul began this chapter by uh, warning the members of the church against dividing along uh, the lines of their favorite leaders, Apollos and Paul and, and Peter. He has not departed from this theme. Paul is still uh, in this theme as he's teaching now. He concludes this chapter by warning against uh, the peddlers of false ideologies and, and those that uh, oppose the knowledge of Christ and confuse and mislead people. So he's still um, uh, blasting this idea of division in the church, but but he's talking more about those who lead people away from the church. He gives a stern warning in verse 17 that God will ruin or destroy anyone who assaults his temple. Those who assault the temple of God with false teaching, divisive conduct, or by any other means that results in damaging or dividing the people of God will be destroyed. Now, Paul also warned individual Christians about their conduct, and he said that uh, um, fornication is a way to defile the temple of, of, of God, that if, if we join ourselves to another person that we're not married to, that's a way of defiling our individual temples, our own bodies. Now, verse 18 through 20. Stop fooling yourselves. If you think you're wise by this world's standards, you'll have to become a fool so you can become wise by God's standards. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, God catches those who think they are wise in their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are worthless. So the Greeks prided themselves in their wisdom. The problem was that the things they valued as wisdom compelled them to embrace ideas and philosophies that led them away from the truth and to fables. Corinth was a Greek city, and the Greeks prided themselves on wisdom, but they worshiped all of these false gods. They even built temples to all of these false gods. And... Um, Though they claim to have wisdom, their wisdom didn't reveal to them that there is only one true God. So they had all these false gods and these false ways of worshiping God. The wisdom of the Greeks led them to the wrong worship. So Paul had to constantly challenge this so-called wisdom that they prided themselves in. While the wisdom of humanity gave rise to all these false gods and these false religions, the wisdom of God proved, uh, it, it provided only one way. That way is Jesus Christ. And, and uh, that is, is demonstrated in our lives when we come to Christ, how God transforms our life. Now, Paul rebuked the members of the 
church at Corinth who had been flirting with the wisdom of the world, the Greek wisdom, and he urged them to unlearn the wisdom of the world so that they could learn the true wisdom of God. Now, in order to obtain the wisdom of God, they had to reject the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of the Greeks, of those who prided themselves in their Greek philosophy. They had to become fools in the eyes of some of their peers who thought that God's plan of salvation was foolish. So uh, even today, there are many who think that to believe in God, to believe in Christ, to expect his return is foolishness. So we have to embrace that. We have to bear that. We have to say, well, uh, we believe it, regardless of what you think about it. We believe it, and we're unashamed in our in our belief in, in the salvation of Jesus Christ, uh, uh, his return again, and all of the promises of a new heaven and a new earth. Foolishness to the world, we embrace them because we have the wisdom of God. Now, verses 21 through 23. So, they, so don't take pride in following a particular leader. Everything belongs to you. Paul and Apollos and Peter, the whole world and life and death, the present and the future. Everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So it is safe to say that taking pride in following a particular leader is a characteristic of the wisdom of the world. That is to divide over those leaders. There's nothing wrong with being um, proud of your pastor or or uh, proud of your leader in, 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 a, in a humble way. I say uh, pride. I, I don't mean uh, being lifted up in pride, but but being uh, pleased that you have a man of God that you don't have to be ashamed of, that you can tell everybody um, that this is my leader. But we have to balance that again. That has to be um, uh, kept under the leadership of Christ. Ultimately, um, the one that, that we look to the, uh, above everything else is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um Paul is chiding these people not because they looked up to leadership. In fact, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, imitate my way of living, okay? Um, but imitate my way of living as I imitate Christ. And the Bible tells us to honor those who are our leaders and, and esteem them very highly, okay? So we're balancing this. The, the problem that Paul had was that the Corinthians were dividing over one leader and the other. So to divide in this way is to assault the temple of God. And Paul was promoting a universal perspective of Christians. We are not confined to a little group. We are part of the universal family of Christians. And those who want to divide themselves and think of themselves as just a part of this little group, this local church, this denomination, and they isolate themselves or cut themselves off from the rest of the body of Christ and think that other people in other denominations are, are not saved, uh, then they are uh, just like the people here that Paul chided who divided themselves over leadership. 
Um, uh, we don't want to divide over the denominations. We don't want to divide over, over independence, uh, non-denominationalism. We have to have a broader mentality, and that's what God wants us to have. While we live, we serve God and enjoy the blessings of the kingdom. Uh, and we want to be aware that we're part of the worldwide church of God, that we are part of the church of God that is part of this whole world. And when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to pull people out of China. He's going to pull people out of Russia, out of Africa, out of India, out of the United States, out of the islands, Australia, uh, of all denominations and all denominational affiliations and even independent churches. And he's going to pull us all together because we are one now. We are one. And God does not want us to be divided. While we live, we serve God and enjoy the blessings of the kingdom of God and the beauty of God's great earth, this God's creation. When our time on earth is over, death merely releases us from the toil and the cares of this life to an eternal vacation. We gather with the saints who've gone before us and, and with an innumerable company of angels. Paul closes this chapter by saying, all things are yours. Everything belongs to you. Everything belongs to Christians. The world is ours. Life is ours. Death is ours. The present is ours and the future is ours. Everything is ours. And that's why Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always because everything belongs to us. Well, that brings us to the close of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In our next session, we will study chapter 4. If you are ever in the Indianapolis area, I'd like to invite you to come visit us at New Direction Church, where my son, Kenneth Sullivan Jr., is the pastor, and he's a wonderful man of God. Um, our East Campus is located at 5330 East 38th Street, and our North Campus is located at 7701 East 86th Street. For service time, you can visit our website at ndcbetterlife.org. Please join me next time as we have another session of Teaching Through the Bible. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you as we go into chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. Until then, may God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at EmergeCurriculum.com. Please tune into our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast.